Welcome to Scottish Farm Advisory Service Podcast. You can find out more about FARS on our website, www.fars.scot. Or if you need advice, then call our helpline on 0300 323 0161. Hello and welcome to this Farm Advisory Service Podcast. Today I'm speaking to Sandy Murray of crofter from Sutherland, where we'll get to know about his croft and also about his excellent work on dyslexia in agriculture. Hello Sandy, thanks very much for taking time out. So for a busy day, you're here in Inverness actually today, doing a bit of work with the Commission. Yeah, we were at the uh, cross-party crofting meeting, uh, Scottish Office cross-party crofting meeting, uh, and it's just something that I enjoy doing, coming to meetings. Can you tell... Tell us a little bit about your background from a young age. Were you brought up on the crofts that you have now? Yeah, I was born and brought up in Strathallodale on, on uh, the croft that my brother runs now. Uh, the croft that I run was uh, on my granny's side, uh, so they've been handed down through the generations. I left home at 11-year-old to go off to school, uh, then went to Crabston and Aberdeen to uh, do a uh, course in agriculture, uh, came home because my father wasn't keeping very well and never got away again, took, took over the crofting business from uh, my father. Uh, I have four crofts at present, I uh, run 14 cows and 300 sheep at the moment, cut down a wee bit because of, of age and handed one croft over to my stepson. Uh, for a long number of years, I had 500 sheep and 25 cows. I've done lots of diversifications on my croft. Uh, we've grown Christmas trees. We've got a bunkhouse that uh, uh, does activities of clay pigeon shooting and laser combat. And we have a windmill. I ran a fish hatchery on my croft for 14 years. Uh, and I used to do a lot of subcontracting uh, and fencing, clipping, etc. That's a lot of things you do. But in terms of these diversification, where did you get the ideas or the drive to do these sort of things? I think it's just something in in your personality that you want to be uh, doing things and trying different things. And I think maybe that stems from being dyslexic a wee bit because you you are wanting to be into the practical side of things rather than uh, pushing pens and paper. Our generation, Sandy, you know, dyslexia wasn't really a thing then. In terms of school, were you? Do you feel were you left behind, or were, or was it just accepted you weren't as good at English as other students? It, I think it was just accepted that you you were below par in that side. But then, I would say that I was above par on the practical side. And what got me through was when subjects that had both. Uh, reading, writing in them, but also practically woodwork, metalwork, technical drawing, and the agriculture side that was was operating in the school. You got a very high percentages in the the practical work and poor percentages. So when the average was taken out, you were above pass rate. And then you came home, as you said, after college, where you studied agriculture at Crapeston, and was it a case? You, you were given the free rein with your father being ill? Not really. I came home with bright ideas of starting silage and wanting a silage pit, and it wasn't in, until he passed away that I could set up a, 
a cut or cubicle system on a silage yeah. silage pit that he was off the the old school. <laughs> what about your Christmas tree? That that sounds really interesting. The Christmas tree project. Where did that come from, and how long did you do it for? Uh, we did it for nearly twenty years. Uh, it took from starting to plant. It took seven years before we got into the market, and we were planting about two hectares of Christmas trees per year. But because of the, the, the uh, quality of the ground and how far north we were, it was we weren't getting a huge percentage to uh, sale, as it were. About 25% of what we were planting was going. So we were we were selling uh, three to three and a half thousand trees per year and we sold them then on for about 14 years uh, stopped planting them with the intention of retiring when I got the pension age uh, but I'm still <laughs> still crofting yeah, uh, uh, and, and cattle and sheep you say what breeds are you dealing with and your plans there uh, the, the cattle side I had I put in an experimental wood chip cattle corral in the early days kept five uh, pedigree highland cattle and crossed them with a limousine bull. So most of my stock, breeding stock, were limousine highland crosses, which looked very like the ling cattle. In fact, on one open day, most people thought it was a ling herd that I had. But now, the cattle I've got now are a sort of uh, variety mix. We, uh, uh, community has a uh, department, well, not department, it's our pet bull. Now and uh, we've we've tried different types of bulls, uh, so there's been uh, Solaire in it, Limousine in it, uh, Shorthorn in it, so uh, they're a mixture. And your sheep, how sheep, did you deal? Sheep are pedigree uh, North Country Cheviot. I used to be part of the North, uh, a member of the North Country Cheviot Sheep Society, but no longer uh, there. But it's uh, I don't keep any taps because I don't think I have a good eye for judging stock or breeding stock and I hire in all my my taps. And can you tell us about when dyslexia came into your world when it became quite quite the buzzword once it was more researched? Yeah I was it's when I took up the post with Caseness and Southern Enterprise as a part-time crofting development officer that uh, I uh, my reading is very poor I take a long time to read things slowly and have to read things twice before I actually grasp it and uh, writing is uh, again very poor and somebody was watching me typing out a report uh, over the computer and they said you're dyslexic aren't you and I said never been diagnosed and I don't I haven't formally been diagnosed but when it was explained to me then I realized that's what's been wrong with me all my life and putting words back to front when you're typing and uh, making spelling mistakes and then not seeing the mistake. Spell check was a great uh, tool for me, but when you actually get two or three choices of a word that, that you've spelt wrong, I can't see the right word to, to actually put into place and quite often put the wrong word into the wrong sentence. Yeah, because some people describe it as if the words come off the page and then scrambled around. I don't. It's all different with different people, isn't it? Yeah, it's totally different. That's never happened to me. But uh, when we started setting up the uh, form with the uh, NFU, uh, it was uh, shown to me how different fonts and different coloured backgrounds can be easier to read. And that stood out to me, that I could 
if, if uh, it's produced in a dyslexic-friendly format, I can read it, not read it as good as other people can, but read it better than I can read it normally. With your experience in dyslexia, you not, you went on a bit of a campaign with the NFU, is that correct, with NFU Scotland? Yeah, it, it was a form that the NFU set up to try and influence the different agencies to try and uh, make things a bit more dyslexic-friendly. And I think it, it's uh, succeeded in, in a lot of ways because uh, now you can you can get forms that are dyslexic friendly and you can request them and people take notice. It's uh, in most of the Scottish office, offices that you actually have signs up saying if, if you feel you're not uh, reading it properly to ask for assistance. So these are all very positive impacts and... The likes of the amount of forms today is it's incredible how many forms you have to fill out on a farm. One of the things you were talking about just before we started recording was about the sheep tags and all these various things. Yeah, numbers. I, I have a problem with putting numbers back to front and I don't see the, the result when I look back. And uh, I did have a case when I sold a cow and its number was 10089. And I recorded it as one zero zero nine eight, and uh, I didn't notice it until uh, months later. But by good luck, it, the right one had been clicked on BCMS, and it was only in my own written <laughs> records where the mistake was made. But it, when the mistake was noticed, was when we were doing a test, and I was reading out my tag numbers off the book, and somebody else was saying, "But you don't have a cow with that tag number." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so th- there you go. It just shows. These are mistakes that we can do, but having dyslexia is more difficult. Yeah. You have to be so much more careful. Yeah, it is. You've got to just be so much more careful and you've got to watch it. And uh, I do get uh, uh, my wife to check things over quite a lot, uh, especially if I'm, if I'm writing anything that's got going to go to people that are, of, I think are of a lot more important than me, then I, I get her to read things, things through uh, and especially with, with the, the numbers you've got to, and the forms. Field identifiers is one when uh, you're filling in your IX form and you're legally bound to check that all the field identifiers are correct. And you get mesmerised going through the field identifiers and checking them against your own records. So quite often you just take it for granted that the person on the other end hasn't made a mistake. So you're here with NFUS today. These are important roles and dyslexia hasn't held you back in that sense. Well, I think I'm quite good at talking. And uh, when you go to, go to meetings, it's the uh, <coughs> uh, input that you can put into it. I think that's important from a crofting's perspective and a practical crofting perspective. Uh, if I'm at a meeting, I can't write a lot of notes down because if I'm trying to write, I'm not taking it in. But if I'm listening, I can take things in much easier. And I do rely on picking stuff, information up from other people at meetings because even when you get papers sent out to you, you might have gone through them but not picked up the proper thing and then it's within the discussion and the conversation that you can actually formulate your own view by what other people are saying. When we were speaking just before the interview, actually when we were phoning to arrange the time, you talked about your nephew was at the scaffolding. That was a really good uh, way of describing it. If you could describe what what he sees. Well, he, uh, he's uh, more dyslexic than me, uh, and he's got a job with his reading and writing, 
but he's trained as a scaffolder and he's got his master's ticket for looking at scaffolds and actually visualising that everything is in place and every brace is in the right place. And it, it's a practical thing that you're... Dyslexia is not a disability. In a lot of cases, you've got a other ability that compensates for your, your uh, reading and writing. And that ability is what you've got to put to use. And he's discovered that that's what he can do. And I've seen other people that, that can read a plan just by looking at it and know exactly what it's... Should, the building should look like and everything and visualise it that are dyslexic and they can't read the description of it. That's it, yeah. It's, it's more like you say, it's just practical and also uh, visualising things better and, and then crofting and farming, that's that's a big thing. Yeah, it, it is. There's, a, there's an awful lot of practical uh, jobs in crofting and farming and uh, a, a wee example is about in our community on the Gracings Clark and there was uh, not complaints but uh, observations made on my minutes that are, you know, they would say that it's, uh, you know, you should your grammar could be better and your spelling could be better when I issue the minutes out and I said to one particular chap that was very academic I said to him, well if you can clip 350 sheep in a day and take an engine out of a car and put it back in then that's, you can then complain to me (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> exactly. I don't know how you, how you can uh, answer that, but that's a great example. And to those who are maybe struggling, they may be young people who have been told they're dyslexic, or older people who have always been a bit wary or scared to get involved. What sort of advice would you give them? I, w- I would say to play to your strengths. Everyone's got strengths, and, and that's, that's where you should promote yourself to your, your strengths and do what you want to do. Uh, if I, w- I would go for an ex- I could go for an examples like, like uh, in, in this lifetime, uh, how, often, how often do you uh, use an accountant or a solicitor? Uh, maybe three, four, five times in your lifetime? How often do you use the bin man or the postie or the farmer who's feeding you every day? So let's work your strengths and and be practical and don't let anything anybody say that you're not good at it. And also don't worry if if there's a form there that you're not sure about, don't worry. No, no, don't don't worry. If you don't understand the form, don't be frightened to ask. Don't be frightened to ask somebody uh, because... that everybody uh, has got some defaults that they can't do, and so you know, don't be frightened to go and ask somebody. You need a wee bit of help to get a form filled in, because filling in the form may be the start of something that could lead on to something much bigger. Sandy, that has been excellent. Thank you so much. You've given a really good insight into dyslexia, but the most important thing is that you can go out and do things you want. So thanks very much for your time. Thank you, Ross, for coming and asking me. The Scottish Farming Advisory Service provides a telephone advice line which you can call for free advice. The number is 0300 323 0161. Visit the FAS website at www.fas.scot to find out about free events near you. The Scottish Farming Advisory Service. Zero one six one. The footage of Tull is in Larachlin, www.faz.scot. 
Ich habe schon gemacht, 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 ich habe schon gemacht,